The show's about to start. Where are we going? Over the top. It's time to go over the top with Michelle Taylor Willis. What's up, what's up, what's up? Hey guys, how are you? Happy Wednesday. Welcome to Over the Top with Michelle Taylor Willis right here on Real 1100 AM in beautiful Midtown Atlanta. It is a gorgeous, beautiful, amazing day today. It's got to be what? 85? Um, I think it's all 83, 84. 83. It's beautiful. I mean, blue skies, clouds everywhere. I feel like I could jump in those clouds. You know, like do backflips like a trampoline. Okay, I was going to say like in what sense? Okay. Yeah. Is, like, is that is that day? Well, you know I was a gymnast. Were you really? Yeah, you didn't know that? I actually, no, all jokes aside, I've known you for a, a nice long time now. Yeah. I did not know that. I was a competitive how, gymnast. How long were you gymnast for? From like 6 to about 16, about 10 years. Okay. Um, did you do a lot of competitions? Well, I just said uh, competitive gymnast. Um, so. No, but I know, like, did you do a lot of, com- like, a lot of travel <laughs> competitions, or was it, like, locally? There's a difference. Okay. I mean, I traveled around the nation, actually, competing. I did. Okay. So, yeah, that's what I'm curious. So, you, yeah, you were, like, real deal. See, and I hate that because cheerleading was, like, I'm sorry. I'm still so stuck on, were you, did you do competitions? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Leave, leave me alone. No. Um, I hate back then cheerleading wasn't considered a sport, so it's like I think people weird. were driving. Uh oh, here comes Greg. He- did you do the thing where you, <laughs> you did the flip, and 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 then you tried to land on your feet? That you know the thing, that event where you know where you flip on the floor for yeah. exercise. Is that what it's called? You okay? Or, or you or you run full speed? You run okay. Yeah, that's then, called floor exercise. Yeah, run. But then, then you then, jump over the thing. No, that's vault. And then you try to stand on it. Not on the vault. No, you try to stand on the floor. You try to land. You run. You jump on the springboard. You do whatever you're gonna do on the vault, and then you stick your landing. Well, on no, the floor. like you you jump on the thing, and then you do like flips on it, and then you flip off of it. Oh, the beam. The and balance then, and beam. And then it had the thing with the hands. Those that... are uneven parallel bars. Oh, I thought that was all the same thing. No, what? Oh, my gosh. This is. So we know nothing about anything. We don't, yeah, all of y'all. I'm hoping my guest is better than y'all because <laughs> this is awful. I'm a competitive gymnast, so did you do competitions? I'm a competitive gymnast, so were you on the thing with the thing and, and then flip off the thing? Yes to everything. Yes to all the questions. Welcome, iHeart listeners. I love being on iHeart. We can, you can listen to us live on iHeart every Wednesday from four to six, just like people can listen right here in Atlanta, driving up and down the highway from four to six. And we convert this to podcast, so you can always go back to iHeart and listen to Over the Top with Michelle Taylor Willis. And on any, it's not like every single podcast network, right, Jarrell? Just about. Yep, every yeah. single one. All you got to do is go wherever you want to go. Type in Over the Top with Michelle Taylor Willis. I suggest you type in the whole thing because there are a couple other yeah, Over the Tops. I have run into a few Over the Tops. Now, um, none of them are as good no, so, as so, this one. Some of them aren't even in English. So Wow, there yeah, you go. Yeah. But the thing is, you don't want to get messed up with the wrong one. Like, you put in Over the Top, and then you end up getting sucked into something that's just not as fun. And then by that time, then you're like, oh, never mind. I'm just not going to search for Michelle anymore. Yeah, that's a terrible so just, idea. So let's just save yourself the trouble. And type in over the top with 
Michelle Taylor Willis. And do it right the first it. time, guys. So you don't have to go back. Okay? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly just, right. Just do it right. It's like my dentist says: pay me now or pay me later. Either mm. way, you're gonna pay me. Or other one, measure twice, cut once. Measure twice, cut once. Is that from the drug dealer? I mean, it could be, but you know, it that's could not who said that. that no, no, it actually was. Yeah, it was the drug he, dealer. Yeah, he's treated it. like carpentry. Yeah. Oh yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Yeah. So we get see all the knowledge you get here on Over the Top with Michelle Taylor Willis. You learn about gymnastics. You learn about drugs. Not in that order particularly, but <laughs> just in today's case, um, this, that's not an every week thing, guys. Don't don't flag us. <laughs> Let me make sure I say hello to our friends on Facebook. Hello, Jimmy. Jimmy says, "What up, Michelle? Michelle, you were a cheerleader. You never forget flips and toss. Oh, I was a cheerleader. I did forget for a second. So you remember being a gymnast, but not a cheerleader. Yeah. Did you do competitions? <laughs> I was a competitive cheerleader. Yes. Actually, since you asked. <laughs> okay, okay. We, my high school, Wilson High School. Shout out to Wilson High School because I know y'all are listening. What's up, Janine? Uh, number 10 in the nation. I'm just going to say that. Really? Yeah. We went to, I think it was in Orlando, maybe we competed. And that was my junior year i think my junior hey. year we were number 10 in the nation thank you jamise for the uh reminder yeah i'll never forget from whence i came yeah i said that out so loud you lived the bring it on movie we were the you original know. bring it on i feel like if they're listen if it weren't for us there wouldn't have been a bring it on that's just how i'm feeling right now i like the attitude yeah because we were the trendsetters we set it all up. It was so all what you're saying is you need to get someone over the phone on that. Jameez, can you call in at 530? She said facts. See, she was there. She watched me be a cheerleader. And But here's the thing. We weren't nasty cheerleaders. I was never nasty. I mean, I was super cool, very popular. Okay. And to, totally important. So the movie like took your guys' ass back and then just turned but it up it was a notch. But it, it turned it nasty. I was very, I was like the nice, cool cheerleader. I was a friend to all. We like well, that, that's just a movie trope. That's far in TV. That that's exactly right. It's just, you know, these filmmakers, they just come up with stuff and try to be all histrionic and stuff. It's unnecessary. Just tell the truth, guys. Just tell the truth. Speaking of telling the truth, hello, Instagram. How are you? I see my my guy, Jarrell, over here just typing fiercely on the, on the phone, so we must be getting some good feedback. How's it going, guys? Thanks for tuning in. Okay, I want to give some shout-outs today. Because some amazing things have happened. What's the number? Okay, here's the number. 404-603-8770. But, Jameez, technically you can't call in until the Ask Michelle segment, which is at? 530. 530. 530 is Ask Michelle. So, if you want to talk to my lovely guest, what I'm going to tell you we got in a minute. His name's Fred. Um, and he's amazing. But, you can call and talk to him. He's a filmmaker, a creator, a producer. You call talk to him, or you can always ask me a question, too. It's Ask Michelle, but really, I want you to ask the guest. 404-603-8770. Instagram and Facebook, you know, we will put that in the comments, and I'll pin it so that you guys can always know that you can call and talk to the MT Dubs. Ask me anything within reason, and if you don't ask me something I like, I'm not going to answer you. But absolutely feel free to call and ask anything. Right, Trail? Oh, of course. And look, if she won't answer, I will. So. Well, no. <laughs> okay, so listen. First of all, let's give a huge, amazing, resounding round of applause to my personal friend and president of Morris Brown College, Dr. Kevin James. 
Mm. Well deserved. Yes. Yes. He gets all the Jamaican music sounds. (laughs) That is Jamaican, right? Isn't that where I came from? I guess. (laughs) (laughs) If we are so incorrect, do not take us for it. Do not hold us to it. Yeah, don't hold my heart on that. (laughs) Um... So just quick background for those of you listening on Real 1100 AM right now, um, and, and or if you're on iHeart and you're listening from anywhere around the world, here's the thing. Um, Morris Brown is the only historically black college and university founded by slaves. I feel like we need to emphasize that more. because that is- Founded by slaves. The only one. And y'all know that there are some universities and colleges, and it's not a knock, I'm just saying, I just want you to know the difference, that were actually founded by white people. Okay, so let's understand the difference. Founded by slave, hey Jen, what's going on? Oh, you should stay on long enough to do your live, for me to do your live read later. Um, that's Jen Auckland, she was on last week. She has the magic shakes. I know you don't like it when I call you that, Jen, but I'll tell you, the shakes are magical because they are magically melting the fat right off of my body, and I love it. Okay. So, 20 years ago, this college, Morris Brown College, lost its accreditation due to some financial misappropriations and mishandling. 20 years ago, it was on the AUC, the Atlanta University Center with Morehouse, Spelman, Clark Atlanta. 20 years ago, lost accreditation. The college remained open. I want you guys to understand, because like, if you don't know the full story, it might not sound as as uh, uh, interesting, appealing, uh, exciting. Lost accreditation 20 years ago because of financial misappropriation. The school remained open and never closed. At some point, there were only three kids in the school. Fred, you know this story, right? Yeah, because Fred is all things black. So he just winked at me for those of y'all who can't see that. Um, I mean, in a very appropriate manner, actually. It was more of an agreement wink, like, yeah, Michelle, I got you, right? And then, yeah. (laughs) All right. And so the school remained open. Three years ago, the board of trustees hired this young, bubbling, fast talking, and he's a personal friend of mine, so I can make fun of him. Uh, just like here's what I do, whatever. We're gonna bring the school back, Dr. Kevin James, as a temporary appointment. Let's bring this guy in to see what he can do. And short, I don't think it was a full three years, maybe two and a half years, something like that. Shortly after that, he recruited me to be on his foundation board. Um, in the last two years, two and a half years, he has taken the school. From not only being unaccredited with hardly any students, no real money coming into the school, an awful reputation, people dismissing him, like literally people in your face like, you can't do that. What are you doing? Morris Brown is dead. Leave it gone. Let bygones be bygones. You know, that's why black people can't have nothing. Like the whole thing. I mean, to his face. I mean, just people not want to mess with, hey, I'm President Morris Brown. Can I talk to you about, no, I don't want to talk. Like, nobody wanted to even deal with him, right? I won't say nobody, but a lot of people. You know how it is. Nobody wants to get their hands dirty. This guy 
along with some amazing people on his staff and people that believed in him in the community, were able to bring this school completely back to life. And I promise you, I'm not being histrionic at all right now. This is this is what happened, literally, to getting, you know, meetings, to building a new foundation board, to, you know, getting the trust in the trustees, to um, promoting the school, to getting back in front of tracks, which is the accrediting um, organization, to go from, I mean, like, he literally went step by step. And I remember because we were in the board meetings and he would report to us and say, Here's what we are, and here's what I'm going to do. And he literally just systematically, and before you know it, you know, the school was a candidate for accreditation, which meant we could take students. But until you get that financial aid accreditation back, it's almost like, I'm not going to say it's not real. Yeah, no. But it's like, you know, people need financial aid, right? So it it was everything hinged on this full accreditation status so that people can actually use financial aid to go to your university. And two, two and a half years later, I mean, last week, there was a big press conference. I was there. Yep. On the set. You were there with me. Yep, it was nice. Um, and full accreditation. Completely. I mean, the it's like, I mean, back at it. I think at last count, don't get me wrong, there were maybe 182 or 112 students, something like that. I can't remember exactly. But I mean, and I am... I'm sure if I call Dr. James right now and say, how many applications do you have? He probably wouldn't be able to count the number. Is that amazing? I mean, for everybody saying there's no way you can, it's been 20 years. Nobody's going to trust you with money. Nobody's going to trust the school with money. Nobody, no, okay, great. Founded by black slaves, all right. Another one bites the dust. Good luck with that, friend. No, I can't help you. No, no, I'm not going to. Let me see what you can do first. Because you know that's what people do. Let me see what you can do first. Right? Okay, go. I hosted the virtual homecoming for him during COVID in 2020. And we raised almost $600,000 virtually. And just slowly by slowly, people started to believe. But you know who really, I think, never gave up? Obviously, Dr. James. And I know that there were moments where he had to think, Oh, shoot. You know, are we going to be able to do it? I mean, I don't know, but I would assume if it were me, I'm sure I'd have those moments. Oh, no, you got to think about it. You got to. But at the end of the day, he's done, and his, I mean, he's on CNN. He's, I mean, he's everywhere now because he, along with the wonderful people that work with him, have brought this school back. So I want to make sure, like, we always talk about all the stuff we're not doing. Let's spend time talking about the things that we can do. It's amazing, and I know Fred, you know about the story, but like, is that crazy? Is that a, is that wondrous? It's phenomenal, and it really is a testament to the ability of people to believe in something that means something to a, a culture. You know, the the idea that a academic institution was started by slaves, and for anyone who knows, it was illegal to read and write as a slave. It was illegal to be a free person in the state of Georgia. If you walked across state lines prior to the Civil War, you were arrested for being a free slave and you paid a fine or you got 20 lashes or you were dragged off to a plantation and made a slave. So 
just the mere idea that this institution would be created is a testament to American know-how and, and American ingenuity and all of the things that are supposed to make this country great uh, as, as well. And anyone that knows the history, too, is that, you know, Morris Brown has lived in the shadows of some of the other uh, That's HBCU right. institutions That's right. as well and has been the redheaded stepchild kicked to the side. Come People on. made fun of it. Come on. Um, I have several friends that have graduated from Morris Brown as well, and they've gone on to do great things. Uh, a project that I'm currently working on we deliberately, or I strongly suggested, that we shoot on the campus of Morris Brown in highlighting an awareness campaign called Together ATL. And I didn't want to go to some of the other institutions. I wanted to be on Morris Brown's campus to shoot That's that. That's dope. So that was one of the things that the project I'm currently doing, I'm trying to bring, more, again, more awareness to Morris Brown because Morris Brown needs to survive you know, just as all of these other institutions are, right. need to survive as, as well. That's right. You know, and it's unfortunate that we don't have a uh, educational system in this country that is free. That would make this path a lot easier for Morris Brown to right. come back as well. But of course, everything's got to be accredited. You've got to be able to get student loans. And as we know, student loans are, you know, it's sort of backdoor robber rail a little bit <laughs> as well. Backdoor robber rail. I want to know more about that. what that means. And we will because my guest today, Fred, is amazing. He literally is, and I, I kind of gave this intro as we were going. We're going to take a quick break, but creator, producer, visionary, filmmaker, philanthropist, mm. director. Another one. Another one. <laughs> All of these amazing things. But he's a black man in America. And he's got a lot to say, y'all. Don't you? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. I, I wasn't sure exactly where that was going to go. All right, guys. You're listening to Over the Top with Michelle Taylor Willis right here on Real 1100 AM 404-603-8770 at 530 for the Ask Michelle segment. What's up, iHeart? What's up, Facebook? How you doing, Instagram? Guys, this is going to be a magical discussion. The things that this guy is doing, has done, will do. You do not want to miss any piece of the, of the next hour and a half. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back with Fred. Michelle. 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 Take this one here for me and my DJ. What's up, guys? We are back on Over the Top with Michelle Taylor Willis right here on The Realist of the Real, 1100 AM. In beautiful Midtown Atlanta. It's a great day. It's a glorious day. Every day is a great day. You wake yeah. up in the morning. Smell the flowers, like Puffy said. That's my favorite. Have you seen that video with Puffy? He's like, when he walks around, he's like, I want to smell the plow flowers. I don't want to work. Oh, my God. Yes. you never I seen actually, that? Yes. He's like, that's what you're, don't you know that's the gig the to not have to work? You mean Sean Puffy comes? Yes. That's why y'all are here. I want to walk around and smell the flowers i pay y'all so i, I don't that's it that's it that's it yes <laughs> well you know he's the host of the uh 2022 billboard music awards i do year. i wow. saw that i saw that but he matters not you know why why because he's the host of the 2022 billboard no <laughs> because i've got frederick taylor in the house and that's the only man that matters to me right now because he's sitting across from me in his little Philly hat. Let me let you guys know who Frederick Taylor is. Really, he does a lot of things, but I, I, I use these two descriptors 
when we were going to break, visionary and philanthropist. Because at the heart of everything that he does and that he is doing is a heart for help. It's a heart for people. It's a heart for the disenfranchised. Am I right or wrong? You are correct. And so uh, I, I just, I think what'll happen as we evolve into this discussion today, you guys will see and be inspired, and not just be inspired to be like, oh, great job, Fred, to be inspired to act. Because it's one thing to go to church and hear the sermon and be like, yep, the Lord was talking to me today. And then go back tomorrow and be like, let me get back in this bag of lies. It's another thing to be inspired and to change your behavior. And because of the work that Frederick Taylor has done uh, in the entertainment space, filmmaking, creating, producing, directing, arts, the arts, he is literally changing the face for how we perceive not just our America, but all points around the globe. Absolutely. And um, and so I'm excited to have him in here. Welcome, the founder of Tomorrow Pictures, creator, producer, visionary, filmmaker, director, Chicago native, Philly transplant, Atlanta transplant, Frederick Taylor, guys. Not the football, Frederick Taylor. No, he was a fine running guy. He was a fine running back. Yes. Yeah, he did a great job. Did. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Michelle. I'm so happy you're here. I am thrilled to be here. This is exciting. Really? You're, oof, I need you to work on your acting. <laughs> I mean, did you see that? Can we get, hold on, let me put the, <laughs> I need to make sure the Facebook camera is on him. He said, wait, maybe I should put it back on me so y'all can see what he did. Thank you for having me, Michelle. I'm very excited to be here. That was awful. Acting. It was. It was awful. It was like I was looking for the floating bar. Yeah. You know. Literally. I need I'm, ice. I don't believe you. I know. I've got to become a little bit more convincing about the joy that I'm experiencing on the inside about being here. This is like being in a hot air balloon and we are floating around amongst the clouds. And you are nothing but a thrill of it. God. I mean, listen, I don't want to believe him, but I have to. I mean, the eloquence <laughs> in the words. Wow. Well, it comes honestly. That's a, um, you know, I was raised by a strong black grandmother. I love how you stood up straight. I did. I, I automatically <laughs> did sit up straight without, yeah, without question. Yeah, he stood up. Yes. Tell me about this shirt, Hollywood with Hollywood. the Hollywood. This uh, is an original shirt, too, by a designer in Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, a, I'll be in Nashville tomorrow. Oh, you will? Mm -hmm. Well, then you should stop by the uh, fashion boot. You'll love it because you are a 10, and all of these clothes are a 10. Okay. You would be into this. I love this His name's this Andrew guy. Clancy. He is British. He is influenced by people such as Alexander McQueen. Oh, wow. So everything flosses and glosses and all that other fun stuff. And the uh, the shop is called Any Old Iron. And okay. It is, near, is it downtown? No, it is near uh, Music Row. Oh, right okay. Right off of Music Row. But you should go. And all you will right. love it. And you will go in there and you'll be like, oh, my God. And then you go in there and you ask for Andrew or his uh, partner in crime, Laura. Okay. And say that you met me. And I told you to go, and he'll throw you a little bit of discount. Oh, you know? just a little bit of discount. We like discounts. Yes. But they've got some great clothes in there. Like, you know, I stuff that you would hit a red carpet with. Oh, really? Like I have, like, I have suits. I have all kinds of stuff. And the women's stuff uh, exceeds the men's as well. 
Um, okay. Two Chains has been in there. He's bought a few pieces as All well. Right. Say less, so, I'm on the way. I know, right? I will be there tomorrow. And um, Jimmy's from Facebook says, hi, Mr. Taylor. Hello, Janice. How are you, love? Look at, oh. Oh, she got a smile. I didn't even get a smile when he said, I'm happy to be here. He's like, hey, Jim, how are you, love? Man, whatever. You can't trust these creatives. You don't know when to tell them the They're truth fickle. or not. They are so fickle. They're so fickle. All right, so listen, when we went, before we went to break, you kind of mentioned this campaign yes. um, with uh, Campaign ATL, right? Yeah, uh, Together the, ATL. Together ATL. Yes. But I, let me tell you something. Your bio has one of the most amazing stories in it. Okay. And you know the story I'm talking about because you probably at least helped write your bio. I did. Yeah. So I want you to give us a little bit of a background of why you produce the types of content you can you produce and wh- where this story falls in line. So t- tell the us. The Together ATL story? Well, no. The story about when you were in school and you drew the pictures of your family. Oh, that one. Oh. That's you don't it. want to? No, I do. I do. Okay. <laughs> That's a good one. No, that elicits a uh, emotional response on both sides of the the, of the fence. Right. It, it forces people to think beyond the surface. Right. Which is where reality lies. Like this world that we live in on the surface, like what we look like, where we live, what our car is, who's pretty, who's ugly, who's tall, who's fat, who's short, how dark is your skin the brown paper bag test, all this other stuff is meaningless. Mm-hmm. It is literally what Dr. King said. It's the content of, of character. And that's basically what that story was about. And I somehow had this awakening as a child in grade school, in third grade, with understanding there's a higher place to operate and to, to be um, beyond the, the surface. And that particular uh, exercise brought it out. And it, I was in third grade, and our my third grade teacher sign for the class to draw a picture of their family and so I drew a picture of a little house and my mother and my father and my little brother and a little car in the driveway and the whole deal and a little sun shining with a little smiley man inside of the sun and that was my picture little flowers and stuff like that but one of the things that my uh, teacher pointed out to me was that I neglected to color in the faces of the participants in the picture as brown And um, I was very resistant to that and told her very specifically that that doesn't matter because I already know who they are. And she said, are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to, you know, color the faces in? And and looking back on it, you know, she was a post-civil rights, liberal, progressive thinking woman who had a group of kids in her class from different backgrounds. I remember there was a Japanese kid in my class as well, Gary May. Oh know. my gosh, you remember these people. Uh, it's That's crazy. hilarious. It's the weirdest thing. I, I literally remember so many people's names that I grew up with as well, and especially if they were people that were indigenous or diverse as mm. well. They had a very profound effect on me mm-hmm. uh, as, as well. But for me, I didn't think of them as compartmentalized into specific culture. I always thought about them as who they were as people and specifically how they related to me and, of course, how they related to, to others as, as well. So I told her that I'm not going to color those pictures in because it doesn't matter. What was her reaction? Uh, surprise, shock. Disbelief. Disbelief. Like, yeah. And she was really trying to encourage me to, to do it. But I kind of dug in and said, no, I'm not going to do that. And how old were you? Third grade. 
Yeah, I thought so. so that's nine, nine, nine years old, nine years right? Years that's old. what I thought. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I'm like, let me just make sure I, I read this correctly. Okay, so where did that come at nine years old? Right. Where did that come from? Because I understand that, like, especially if you're not raised in certain environments, there's sure. not really a concept of color until somebody says somebody's got to walk brown. it into you exactly. yeah they, they have to introduce that's the concept right. for you to even understand that's right the concept because without it you never think twice kids just go around kids, yeah. completely they're reacting to your energy that's that right. internal part that for us as adults scares us when we're walking down the street at night like right. vibes we right. call it vibes but kids operate in that space constantly and they know intuitively who they should go around and who they should sort of stay steer clear of right uh as, as well i think for me uh coming to that type of conclusion it had a lot to do with um how i interacted with people and specifically i interacted with a lot of black women early in my development because you were raised by your grandmother, you said, right? My grandmother, um, my mother was young. My mother was, you know, going back to school. And my mother was, like, I was at my mother's uh, graduation for her master's degree. Wow. Do you know what I mean? And I was a kid. Right. So I was a part of my mother's academic accomplishments in life. How awesome. At a young an, age. At a good, exactly. And that was an inspiration. Absolutely. As, as, as well. And so... I had a lot of aunts, I had grandmothers, I had a lot of very strong female black energy. And one of the things that's very true about the world of black females is, is that they get to the core of matters. They get, they, these issues of character are paramount and their ability to relate to one another and how they make decisions and you know how they interact and how they share as well. So there's very little conversation about surface versus when I was around black men, there's a big discussion about surface. You know, your houses, your cars, who's good looking, who's got the big muscles, who's skinny, who's tough, you know, who's not so tough, you know, who gets the ladies, who doesn't. Those were constant discussions. Who plays sports? Who doesn't? Who could sing? Who could rap? All this stuff. <laughs> right, 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 right. Where the, the thing about black women is that there is a, a level of, of cohesiveness and tranquility within a black female space where there's just love and it has this flow to it and everyone is a part of it mm. and no one is is left out no one is pushed aside i didn't understand the concept of a heavy set woman as a bad thing until i got out into the world where people started to say oh that woman's big and that's bad. Mm. That didn't make any sense to me. Right. Because I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, it's either decent person or not a decent person. Right. You right. know? And so these quantifiers that people had for what they looked like um, was something that was very foreign to me that I didn't really pick up until I was around a lot of men. Mm. But initially growing up, the early stages of my development, it was a lot of women and a lot of the men were kind of off doing their own thing right and that was a big part of that era like you know papa was a rolling stone wherever you want to say but <laughs> wherever was, he let his hat was his home but that was we need that. all he <laughs> left was alone and that was real you know and a lot of people can we all know that song we all can relate to that song, sort of extension in our family right of someone who was like that <laughs> right as, as, as well and that that had a very profound effect on me 
as, as, as well. You know, I've had to work on my relationships with men as I've gotten older and, un- and tried to understand how to navigate them and where are the points where I can connect. Right. Because you're them. unpacking all of this stuff that right. didn't that didn't matter. Correct. Right. That yeah. now matter in circles where you're like, Wait, like why, why are we, making why are we even this? doing right? this? Yeah. This is silly. Right. right. But, um, black women, you just hit the room. They get your vibe. You're good. You're in, you're in, you're in, you're in. You know, ladies, you hear that? Right. You're welcome. You're in, you're in, you're in, you're in. You're in. <laughs> so how did you use that then to, I guess, evoke this artistic side of what you do? And how did you move into that space? Interaction. Um, remember when you would go to church and the little uh, black lady in the church would always come up to you and say, like, now what's your name? Who are you? Who are your parents? Is this your first time being here? Mm-hmm. Do you need anything? You know, here's a fan or whatever. It was that ability to reach out. It was that ability to make someone else feel comfortable. And I really learned that power very early in life, and that has served me well in any community that I've gone into interacting with people. Power of communication. Power of communication. Right. Um, The pinnacle of it for me was I was in uh, Kenya, and I was in a village called Makuru, and I had been there for a couple of weeks, and I was kind of sitting around holding court with a group of African women. Women, right, yeah. (laughs) You're like, I'm with my people. It was easy. I was like, oh, my God, I think I got something going on here. This is great. (laughs) And we, I'll never forget this. We were having a conversation about um, the similarities between some of their native dances and the Bankhead Bounce. Uh-oh. Right. They had a whole thing they wanted to talk about, about the Bankhead Bounce and where that comes from and what that is. And I thought it was the most incredible, fascinating conversation. And then one of the elders in the village, his name was Mark Deck. He comes over to me and he whispers in my ear and he says, always remember that you are more African than you are American. You should mm. never forget that. Uh, and my world just expanded wow. even more. So whatever I felt as an African-American man in America that felt right. awkward or I wasn't sure about or people kind of took it the wrong way or they were uncomfortable, I'm like, no, I'm just being African. <laughs> right. That's it. That's your problem. <laughs> right. You know? I love it. And it's helped to change my perspective on, on things as, as well. So a lot of my films, to answer your question, comes from being African mm. and being open and being that source or the genesis of mankind and the origin of man and all of that other stuff and taking on that type of responsibility and saying, because we as a people are the beginnings of humankind, it is our obligation to always reach out to humankind, no matter who they are and where they go. Talk to me about your first film. We're gonna take a quick break here, but talk to me about your first film. Oh my God, my first film as a teenager and it was a film, uh, again, it was about gender. And um, it was about a guy that drove a car that was a really fast, souped-up car. And he used to race, street race. And so he pulls up one day next to this beat-up old Chevy Nova, and they street race. But the Chevy Nova beats him. And then he looks over into the car, and a girl gets out of the car. So he's not only been beaten by a beater car, He's been beaten by a woman driving the beater <laughs> car. That is a double. That was a double, double, double whammy. Double, double right, whammy. Right, right. And that was the first film that uh, that I ever made. As and that a, was a as short. A teenager. And it was a short. Yeah. That sounds and more entertaining than most of the stuff they're making now. I know, right? Isn't that what? weird? <laughs> That's, it's so, but I still love that. I still love that film. And I did this one shot. It was the stupidest, most risque thing ever. I'm standing on the median in the middle of the road. And I've got the camera 
on the median in the middle of the road. And I told both of them to drive oh, past no. me as fast as they could. Like for the flag type deal? Yeah, shot. it was the stupidest thing I ever did in my life. Looking back on it now, I was like, I was crazy. No, nothing went wrong though, right? Everything was. But the shot's dope. Oh, that's what I was asking. Right, that's exactly. what I Apparently I've lived, I've survived that, it. And really, <laughs> right. isn't that all that matters? It is, true. That the shot was dope. You do anything for the shot. Exactly. So that was your first film. Did you use, whose camera was it? Did you it like save camera. up to I buy it? I saved that. I begged my father to buy it. The whole deal. Yeah, it's back when you're a kid, you beg your parents forever. Yeah, so and I you're like, so phone. you knew this is what you wanted to do. Oh, uh, absolutely, without without a doubt. You're like, I'm gonna make movies. I'm gonna make movies. And I'm gonna make movies about, well, at that time you didn't have the African piece, but right. you know about the human experience. But I knew that the human experience, that was ge like gender equality, was I just felt this thing about women that I thought was really essential and really important to the narrative yeah. of, of storytelling that you could not disclude them and you could not marginalize them because they either. have been discluded and exactly and marginalized. marginalized. But that's not how I we, grew up. Right. Exactly, because right. to me, women are strong. And I have a friend of mine, he's an actor, he says that he know he's always known without a doubt yeah. that black women are going to be the ones that will make him whatever it is he's supposed to be in terms of greatness. Without a doubt. It's a black woman, he said, that's going to always put me on. Completely. Uh, so I think it's amazing that this is his experience. And this is why, because I want people to hear from where this comes, right? You had a different experience where you took this experience and, and knew that there was a human experience, especially with regards to women and black women, yes. that was not being told. And then you start traveling all over the world and these experiences become enhanced. And that's how you get all these films and this incredible award mm -hmm. that you've gotten and, 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 and admitting to, um, administered to, to film festivals and all this stuff, which we're gonna talk about. And I know, uh, AT, together ATL, all kinds yes. of stuff. But you guys, if you haven't figured it out right now, the man is amazing. I mean, I'm always amazed by the greatness that surrounds me. Literally, the people that we get in this studio and on set. So we're going to talk more to Fred when we come back. He's going to tell us about his new projects, what's coming up, what he's doing, how we can help support him, all of those things. But if you leave, if you turn the dial from 1100 a.m., you're not going to hear it. If you, if you jump off of Facebook or get off Instagram, you're not going to hear it. And you want to hear it, right? Yes, Michelle, we do. All right, though, so don't touch anything. Hang tight. We'll be back at 5 o'clock with Senseless Shenanigans. Michelle. Michelle. Okay, wait, dang, I was trying to catch it on the, on the, uh, when it came in, I was gonna do, yeah. Wait, hold on, wait. You can cha-cha-cha to this Mardi Gras. I'm the dopest female that you heard thus far. Okay. And I do get better. The voice gets wetter. Uh -huh. Nobody gets heard. Supposed to say, as long as you salt, let her. Salt and pepper? No, oh my God. Well, that was clever. That's MC Light. <laughs> it is MC Light. And I actually think I have her on my phone, too. I actually know MC Light. I'm embarrassed. You <laughs> get out. I'm embarrassed. I'm like, get I'm out. No, the, the off chance she was actually listening to this. Her, for Are her you? But you never know. This would be the chance that she was. Yeah. She did. I know. And she's calling yeah. in. MC Light, I, listen, I'm as surprised as you are. This is, He's so for the culture. How does he not know the rap culture? It came out of the same era, so it's probably the same producers. It came out of the same city, the same time. No, MC Light was before Salt and Pepper. Like how much before? Like what? Several oh. years. Really? Yes. 
Am I right or am I wrong? I mean, Salt and Pepper's late '80s. MC Light is no, no more than no, me. No, Salt and Pepper's early '90s, right? Well, they got big, salt and but in late the black 80s. community, Salt and Pepper. Oh, don't try to act like you're the for black. the cause. Oh, you don't know. Well, there's above ground and underground. Oh gosh. Go ahead, Greg. Real black Greg, you and got too it? black. You got the era. They're both late '80s. They are. Yes. Yeah. Was I can call Salt. Yes. Call Saul. I, I can call Rosie Perez. I have that number. Call Rosie. <laughs> ask her. Put her on speakerphone. First I of believe. All she would say, "Why are you calling me?" I don't <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's how that conversation would start. <laughs> Everything's pointless after that. Everything is pointless. Everything is nothing is pointless on Over the Top with Michelle Taylor Willis here on Willis here on uh, Real 1100 AM. We got Frederick Taylor. In the house, I like to call him Fred because we're like besties, you know, we're just very close right now. Uh, but he is a producer, a writer, a director, visionary, creator, filmmaker is what he calls himself. He's an artist too, guys. He does all kinds. Let me tell you something. This man is all things wonderful. I mean, he has award-winning screenplays. He does have actually like this gold award that he's kind of holding in a black and white picture. I don't know what it is, but it looks pretty impressive. Wait, so it was gold? It's goldish. Gold it's brassy. It's got some gold in it. Gold it brassy. It is heavy. It is, it's substantial. Okay. <laughs> they give the it to people. Word. They give it to people who do amazing things. Right. So, you know, there's that. But he's in the studio right now. And you get to listen to Senseless Shenanigans, which you kind of got a little piece of it already. But Senseless Shenanigans is brought to us by Dope Boy Deacon. Make sure you check out his book. You can go on Facebook, type in Dope Boy Deacon. Let him know Empty Dub sent you, DMing, and, uh, and pick up a copy of the book. It is an amazing book. It really is. Kirby's he went dope, from man. the streets to the pews. See what I did there? <laughs> I, well, no. I've never heard that before in my life. From the street, from the streets to, to the, the pews, pews, to the pews. Yeah, he I was just imagine in... someone getting ejected in a car accident through the front windshield of their car, and they fly through stained glass into, into a church and land on a pew. That was the image that came into mind. From the streets. To the oh, pew. oh, yeah, you took it very literally. It, it just, I just Mine saw was it more as a figurative. Yeah, but you know, come on, you're a creative. You right. should have used your creative mind in that. I just saw it as an action movie. <laughs> 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 Bro, that is. <laughs> That's a perfect segue to Sisla Shenanigans. Okay, what do you got for us today, Jerome? Shenanigans! Shenanigans! Oh, yeah. Shenanigans! No, happy Wednesday, everybody. This week's Sisla Shenanigans is an action movie. Um, started down <laughs> south, ended up north. Uh, <laughs> ooh, so let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, most of you already know former former Alabama corrections officer. Her name was Vicky White. Um, was under the suspicion of breaking out a. I'm just gonna say an inmate from an Alabama correctional facility. Both last names are White. Vicky White and Chase White. Or and Casey they White. are White. Yes, and they are White. Look yes. at that. And from Alabama. Yes, and from Alabama. That's three Whites, guys. Four if you're counting correctly. Okay. So that means that. Never mind. <laughs> no, no, no. Say it. Say no, it. That does mean never mind. <laughs> so, Casey White was 38. Vicky White was 56. There was a little bit of an age gap in between, but nonetheless. Um, love is love, man. Lo- yeah, love is love. Love is life. Let's keep it going. Um, Vicky White, the former Alabama corrections officer, accused of helping inmate Casey White escape 
uh, leading the police on the uh, manhunt, uh, manhunt for days. The plan was she took him out on a regular transportation date to a you know fake doctor's appointment that they made seem real. And with her background, she'd been there for a long time. No one had any idea to question it. So they pretty much just took her word for it. And were she- they gonna go have sex somewhere? Is Probably afterwards happening? when everything. Where, where would was you have that? In the car. It, really? I mean, it was a van. So what was the possible. car? Was it a van? Uh, yeah. It was was like it a van? Yeah. Okay. But you can have sex in the back of a car. That's why they have back seat. What's the car though? What kind of car? It could have been a Nova. Bucket it could have been the Nova. Seats? It could have been the beat up Nova from your first movie. That was my Nova. How did you know that? <laughs> that actually was my Nova. And yeah, the answer to all of your questions is yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh Can I be in gosh. the next starring role in your movie? Possibly. You said yes. I did, didn't I? That was off camera, though. Oh, keep is going, that really Jerome. real oh if it's off the air? <laughs> yeah, it's like if we didn't record it, that's. It was on Facebook, so. It was. That, that's true. You're welcome. Kick save. Oh my I'm welcome. goodness! Look, after lying to the Alabama Police Department and you know fleeing the scene, they went to the fake doctor's appointment. She told everybody that she wasn't coming back for the day because she herself wasn't feeling well, and she had herself her own fake doctor's appointment. They switched vehicles, did what they had to do in the Alabama area, and then dipped up north. Um, it was about a day or two went by. Well, not even a day or two. A day went by, really much, when they you know, did their check-ins and noticed that, A, he wasn't where he was supposed to be, and B, she wasn't back at work the next day. Um, they kind of put two and two together. Right. And you know, there's no way that these two people are not together right now. Right. right. So but they assumed it was a, a kidnapping that, initially. At first, yeah, they did say. They, thought maybe he could, okay, they were really it. worried about her and yeah. her safety. That's I, what she should have done. She should have just gone that route. Absolutely. Because she could have played. She... Right. All the way up to the end, man. And yeah, that's what it was. I was going to say for the first 24 hours, 48 hours, it was a, you know, yeah. manhunt for him. Right. And right. looking for her. But once I've been like, I'm sorry, together, baby. I got kids at home. <laughs> <laughs> Look, <laughs> not I got kids at home. Look, the manhunt went on for a calculated 11 straight days. Yeah. So and it ended on May 9th around 2 o'clock p.m. in the Indiana area. Um, Evansville, Indiana, to be exact. They got into a car crash once their vehicle was spotted by, you know, other people and police, to be exact. That's when the car crash happened, and that's when the chase ended. Um, Given to the car crash, there was two injuries. Um, Both parties were taken to the hospital, but before they got to the hospital, it was reported that the driver, Vicki White, had shot herself in order to avoid everything that was going to come afterwards. She, that's when you just, that's when they're good lies. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you guys are here. Yeah, oh, who you tell? He was going oh to kill me and look in the trunk. Uh-huh. There's a whips and chains. <laughs> look, I would have, she would have got one of those gold things on your shirt, okay? That's yes. it for that performance. <laughs> okay, that's what's with this marriage license? application what what's this what if they found something i like know that? Right? oh god oh well yeah he made me do it <laughs> no, I'm, with, I'm with michelle they made me do it Until... you see this mark on my neck but, it's from the knife but you know what i will say that may have not even saved her because there was reported in the you know facility that they had a special relationship prior to all this happening and when i mean special relationship is that she would stay around hours after she had already clocked out and they would have one-on-one conversations now, oh, they had deep You buried the lead, man. Now, hmm? You buried the lead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Look, all I'm going to say is if that you know, if that didn't su- surprise anybody or bring any suspicion, 
No one did. They they just thought it was perfectly normal. That's crazy. Do, do you right. think any of this has a play on Uh-oh. you know mm-hmm. who they are as people wow. and what they there look you like? You slipped in there with that one. That was an interesting. Literally. Or, yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> of course it does. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? If his name was Tyrone White <laughs> and he was talking to Vicky White, somebody would have said something. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's unfortunate, man. Come on. Have you ever st- stood and talked to a white woman? Of course. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm when does you Georgia. start to get nervous? When do I How many know minutes me? before you... Like, a, there's a limit. There's a clock going seconds. in your head. 90 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> right, 90 seconds. Okay. Between 90 no, seconds to it, five minutes depends, is your window. I will say it depends After on the that, like, everything's going to go sideways You know, I, you. I agree because I will say, like, job yes. interviews-wise, of course, yes. I've been interviewed by white people, of course, white women sure. to be exact. So those conversations go a little different. Yes, but it is. out in the real world... Yes. Uh-huh. 90 seconds to, <laughs> to 180. Exactly. And you know, that that's the it whole... It doesn't last long. Right, right. And right because soldier. everybody starts making assumptions and wondering, and yeah, it's man. a little uncomfortable. No, nah, it is. It, Absolutely. It is what it is, though. Look, I, I feel no type of way about it, all right? I love everybody, but, you know, once you start getting to that age and realization that not everybody loves you back, <laughs> that is a... It's a very important realization to it come is. to, so you can live your life and not the lives of others. Take your time, Pastor. I know, Shoot. right? Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Jarrell. That was amazing. Of and that course. actually was good. That was a good sense of shenanigans. I'm sorry that it ended in demise. Yeah. It was tragic. It didn't have to end that but way. But the dude really is didn't. still alive, so. Oh, he's going to be uh, finishing his sentence. He had 75 years for, you know, murder. So. And now he has, uh, now they're adding it. All oh, they have Because he's yeah, like. It's 175. Oh, it's 175. Now it's 175? I'm just kidding. Yeah, he's. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he was in murder, murder. Yeah, he had murder on his mind. Yeah, he uh, yeah. he didn't play. Dude, the question is, do we think he would have killed her eventually? What kind of murder was it? Like, did he murder somebody because... I can look into it. No, that's okay. I didn't matter. <laughs> Murder's murder, right? <laughs> like, but at the end of the face, day. Facebook says, as Jordan Peele said, nope. Hey, all I'm going to say is... Nope. Google this man. It looks like he did it. That's all I'm going to say. It uh, looks like he, he I thought did he looked it. like Aaron Rodgers. Oh man, I actually don't like that. that. Oh, you like Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> no, I love Aaron Rodgers. That's oh, you thing. do? You like yeah, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> too. I'm that's, an Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, like if Aaron so, Rodgers so had bigger Vicky. ears. That's an so, so, so did Vicky. <laughs> what did right. he say? What? So did, so did so Vicky. Vicky. So did oh wow, Vicky. yeah, Vicky was like, "You look like Aaron Rodgers." Yeah, she got that discount double check. If you know what I'm saying. Sure. Okay, all right, that's enough for this <laughs> shenanigans today. Brought to you by Dope Boy Deacon. Also, big shout out. To my girl Jen Ockman at Fatigue to Fabulous Ladies. If you are feeling a little sluggish, you feel like those hormones are getting in the way, your sleeping's off, you're, you know, breathing in toxic, toxic stuff, and you gotta get rid of it. And you wanna shed a few pounds, you need to make sure you call Jen Ockman. Visit our website at jenockman.com. That's J-E-N-O-K-N-I-N. I can tell you the stuff works. I'm healthier. Well, I've always been pretty healthy. Been but healthy. I feel healthier, and my liver is completely detoxed. I feel like it is. I, I know when my detox liver is not detox, it's absolutely tell. detox. Yeah, I can tell by the way my insides feel when okay. I go like this. Do me a favor. Teach me how to learn like myself. Teach like you that. how to doggy. Yeah. I'll anyway, just visit <laughs> Jen Ockin, J-E-N-O-K-N-I-N.com. Make sure you tell her that Michelle Taylor Willis sent you. Okay, so I want to talk about this project yes. that you've got going on right here in Atlanta. Um, well, let me tell you what I love about this. First of all, I love that you have traveled around the world, specifically in Africa. Yes. And you've capitalized, or not capitalized, but you've even kind of 
double down on the human experience as a black person, as a black man, right? Um, and use that to further your creativity. But that you come back home to Atlanta, not that it's home, but I mean back right. to America, right? Yeah. To really kind of continue to spur these campaigns, so to speak. So tell us about um, Together ATL and your work with the mayor. Uh, Together ATL is through the uh, Community Foundation, and it's an organization here in town that um, serves the community. You know, they raise money, they give away uh, grants and things like that to different organizations that are making a difference in and around uh, Atlanta and Georgia, for that matter, as, as well. And one of the things that they really want to be able to do is to continue to bring cultural groups to, together. And um, they do a great job. And, you know, nothing is perfect. And it's a very complex culture that exists in Georgia as, as well. But they are always on the side of being extraordinarily well-intentioned as, mm. as well. And I believe in this organization. I've had the pleasure of working with them for several years as, as well. Um, Elise Hammett uh, leads the charge with a lot of these campaigns and things like that. And that's the person that I've been working with uh, as, as well. And so initially, they wanted to do an idea of bringing people together. And I'm sort of the creative, arty, farty guy. And they asked me, well, what would you do? What do you think? And um, I said that it's kind of like going in the Wayback Machine. And all of these things that used to go on in the 70s with trying to bring people together during the post-civil rights era of that era. Because I think that's kind of where we are again in a lot of strange ways. So um, I was very inspired by things like Sesame Street, Zoom, The Electric Company, Free to be you and me. I'd like to teach the world to sing right, right, by right. all we that stuff, yeah. like musicals, Jesus Christ Superstar, oh, Godspell, yeah. The Wiz. Yeah, you know these these very sort of energetic art forms of theatrical pop art that mm. got people. Don't you love the way he puts words together? It's so elegant. It really it is, is beautiful. It is Again, my that is my grandma. It is indubitably um, expeditious. Absolutely. Indubitably expeditious. I love it. It's, it's not. A, he's not thinking about it. This is his vocabulary. I, I love it. Indubitably expeditious. Like you sound like uh, Count Dracula. Indubitably expeditious. Right. Or Count Chocula. Or whatever. Count Chocula. Chocula. One of them. One puff. One. Ah ah ah. One go. puff. Well, I'm in like Cocoa Puff, oh, not okay. like. Okay. <laughs> this is going south. That is Please, hilarious as you were, how far they went. As you were. <laughs> but what I wanted to do was bring different people of different cultures in Atlanta together because one of the things that people miss a lot is that this is an extraordinarily diverse city. And anyone that really knows this city knows that. There are areas you go into and they are all black, they are all Latino, they are all Asian. Mm -hmm. There is a strong LGBTQ population here as well, in addition to the uh, general market residents that are here as, as, as well, which we love them. Um, and that particular cultural group is very pervasive. But one of the things that's different about Atlanta in relationship to some of the other major cities is that here, that large general population is absorbing the other peripheral cultures rather than embracing them as their own versus you go to New York, you go to Chicago, you go to L.A., things like that. You go into these like beautiful, wonderful neighborhoods of all of these different types of cultures, and then they spill out into the general population as, as well. And they have their own businesses, shops, stores, and everybody has their own identities. 
Here, there's sort of this subtext of you're supposed to relinquish your own personal indigenous identity and accept this sort of generic one. Mm. That's just sort of this sort of Atlanta malaise where everybody walks and talks and thinks and dresses alike. Mm. And one of the places that Atlanta sort of falls down a little bit is in the arts. Mm. Oh, yeah. Here, yeah. you know, the gathering places are sports. Um, and sports is probably the biggest one. And then, you know, maybe music to a certain degree. But there isn't even diversity within the music. We just have one huge pop hip-hop scene. You mean the Trap Music Museum? Yes, I do. <laughs> Bear, you said it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if we said right now, let's go to a really good jazz club, let's go to a really good blues club, you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. all this stuff it's very difficult to find it, it, versus it really if we were in New York City, You'd it'd be super really, easy to find. Really, really work. You gotta work. Really good point. Yeah, really you, gotta, point. you gotta work to find the culture and that's absolutely, positively uh, unacceptable. Inac- unacceptable, inexcusable for a city that expects themselves to be a global center. Right. Right. There are all these little pieces where we're missing. It looks like everything's popping, but it's really it's only really popping not. in certain spaces. And even when you dig down into that space, it ain't really, popping, not really popping. Nothing's yeah. really That's happening. Right. There's That's just right. a lot of money exchanging hands in back rooms right. for a few right. individuals. Right. We That is not a sustainable paradigm for us to exist as a city moving forward. Atlanta needs to be a leader. Georgia needs to be a leader and this particular program is a way of enlisting youth culture moving forward to do that how did they oh i'm sorry no no no, no, please finish no i was gonna ask you how'd they find you um through my work and through uh working in the ecosystem that is uh corporate video film television storytelling content creation so these things have sort of evolved and developed over the years where people know the work of myself and my company and respect it. Right. And now we've gotten to a point where leadership has become diverse, especially in these areas, that we have some really serious needs here as far as really moving forward with messages about people and culture and you know religious tolerance and all of these things that are essential for us holding this society together. I'm glad. So my value has gone up. Yeah. The company's value has gone up. Well, I love I love that you said that and I really want to die. We gotta take a quick break. But when we come back, I wanna talk about this this piece that you said that's missing and the need for good filmmaking. Right. Um and filmmaking that really pushes the cause along. And I don't necessarily mean cause like social justice mm. and I just mean for good creative content. Right. And how do people do that? In an, in Atlanta, where it looks like all of this is happening, but is it really? It's not really. Right. Okay. So, guys, this is this is where it gets really good. We're on really 1100 AM. It's over the top with Michelle Taylor Willis. We've got Fred Taylor in here. All things creative, but he's amazing. He's got awards. He makes movies, which is really what most people want to talk about these days. When we come back, 404-603-8770, you can call in. Um, the Ask Michelle segment, which is brought to you by Coke United, all things Coke all the time. We got Fred in the house. We got Instagram and Facebook still hanging in there because the conversation is amazing. That means you should hang in there, too. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. <laughs> it's time for Ask Michelle. All right, guys, we are back 
over the top with Michelle Taylor Willis here on Real 1100 AM and iHeartRadio. All you got to do is go in the app, open the app, type in over the top with Michelle Taylor Willis, and you can be inspired by my favorite person of the day, Frederick Taylor. I call him Fred, you know, because we're just on first name basis like that. He's a famous international filmmaker. He is a cultivator and a convener catalyst. Catalyst. How do you like that for alliteration? I like that. Cultivator. And convener convener, catalyst. Convener catalyst. I will accept that as an answer. Triple C's. I'll do that. C'd up. He's all C'd up. It's time for Ask Michelle. It is 5.30. And this is brought to us by Credit Hub. You got to make sure you reach out to my boy Benji Nunn over there. If you're a seasoned business looking for business funding, then Credit Hub is where it is. That's credithubaccess.com. You can be trained. You can be prepped. And that's what I like about Benji and his team, right? They don't just have you applying for a whole bunch of loans that you're going to get denied for, for which you're going to be denied. They actually train you and get you ready to get you as prepared for that yes as possible. And you are like literally 90, 95% there. So make sure you reach out to them. Credit Hub, Credit Hub Access is where it is at. Make sure you tell them Michelle Taylor Willis sent you. All right, do we have a caller on the line? We do. Hello. What's up? You're on over the top with Michelle Taylor Willis. Hey, who's this? This is your girl, Janice. Hey, Janice. How are you? I'm good, love. Okay, so tell me what's what, what what is your biggest fear? What's my biggest fear? Yes, ma'am. Uh oh. It changes. Let me tell you what my biggest fear is right now. Think back in high school, Michelle. Think oh, back in high I don't, man. I don't know if I can go. Well, that was only like seven, eight years ago, so I should be able to. Those should be very fresh memories. <laughs> you see what I did there? I, did there. I think my biggest fear is. Like right now, if you had asked me that a year ago, it would have been different. Um, I think my biggest fear is doing my kids a disservice. Really? Yeah, I want to make sure that I do everything I can to set my children up for success. I don't want to hand them success. I don't want to hand them significance. But I want to make sure that I do everything in my power to empower them to be those individuals. And, um... And, you know, as parents, sometimes you fear that you might not do that and your kids suffer for it. So I think right now in the space I'm in, that would be my biggest fear. But you are doing, you know that, right? I have my days. (laughs) (laughs) We all have our days, girly. I have my days, but I appreciate you saying that. Oh, I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud of you. And, uh, you know, just keep keep coming. Keep doing what you do. You know, you always got you know, your people in Jacksonville for Duval. That's, That's right. And I always look out for you. And I love the show today. And, you know, i always listening, always watching. Well, thank you. And make sure you say hey to my friend Frederick Taylor. Isn't he awesome? Hey, hey, look. Hey, Frederick. <laughs> How are you, love? I gotta go. <laughs> All right, thanks for calling in, Jamise. All right, take care. So we so, like Janice. Jamise is Janice. J i m m e s e Jamise. Yeah. Um, so speaking of greatest fears, 
let's talk. Let's dive a little bit into this this filmmaking thing, right? Because there are a lot of people, right? Especially in Atlanta, everybody wants everybody, everybody wants, wants to be, to be somebody. Exactly. Well, sure. And you know, twenty five years ago, everybody wanted to uh, start a record label, get a hit album. You know, that's right. what it was twenty five years ago. That's right. And now it's like everybody wants to be a film director and make yep. movies and all this other stuff. That's right. So, how do people enter into this space? And I'm going to use buzzwords, right. transparently and authentically, staying true to the art. Right. Right? Yes. Because that's where we're losing. Completely. Okay. So talk to... Yeah. Might be lost. I mean, no, there's a... We can no, we can always say it's, it's, it's over there or around Say somewhere. it ain't so, Joe. I know. It is very difficult these days because everything has become so commerce-driven. And commoditized. Okay, when you and everyone seeks for to create ecosystems. Okay, so things. for someone who's ignorant and may not know what that yes. means, could you kind of break that down? To uh, uh, like a commoditization. Said, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, commoditization is when you are sort of dictated by whatever the needs of the consumer base are. Okay. So if everybody wants. Um, Rubber Don't duck. do it. Okay. I was gonna say rubber duckies. <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna use rubber duckies as an, as an example. Right. Everybody wants a rubber ducky, right? Yeah. But you don't really do rubber duckies that well, or you're like, eh, hey, rubber duckies are played out. We don't need to do that anymore. I really want to make uh, little boats rather than rubber duckies for people's bathtub time. But you're just, you know, someone who is commoditizing, you're gonna keep making rubber duckies until there's just a surplus of rubber duckies and everybody's doing rubber duckies and you don't care about like actually trying to change the course or the tide of trends. The whole purpose of being a creator and being an artist is to not follow Mm. the trends. There you go. I love it, okay. There you go. And to have the courage and the ability to go out on your own and then you have the talent to be able to create the pathway or the connective tissue in order for people to follow along with what you're doing. You know, one of the greatest examples of that was the creation of the What's Going On album with Marvin Gaye. I mean, him and Barry were in screaming matches about this. Really? Right, because Marvin's brother had gone over to fight in the Vietnam War, and so Marvin decided, wow, this changed person. I need to beat this. Barry is like, oh no, we like the other Marvin stuff. And he's like, uh, I'm not doing that anymore. Okay. I'm on to this next thing. Barry's like, that's not going to sell. Like, I don't care. I'll work that out later. It'd be, he wouldn't have the right. top five. You know, it, well, easily, without a doubt. That's called vision. Mm-hmm. It's what she was saying earlier. When you have vision, you are not in the here and now. You are in the future and you have harnessed the past to catapult you into the future. There's so much that goes on in our lives that we as artists have to dig deep into and some of it's hurt, some of it's pain, some of it's anguish, mm. some of it's frustration, but we're able to harness it and then project it into the universe and other people are able to connect with it. And then when you can cross those lines of socioeconomic barriers, racial barriers, gender barriers, orientational barriers, religious barriers, you're in that deity mm. status. You know, 
um, Laura Lindley, who's the woman that plays the what, the mother on Ozark. Oh, I love her. Oh, right, love her. and I do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I exactly. She that's has her, yeah, what she has done with that character. Unbelievable. Look, actually, all phenomenal. Before phenomenal. we even got here, sidebar. I was watching Ozark before I hopped in the car. And got oh this my god. Oh really? That's hilarious. I'm on, Hopefully, I'm on you weren't seasons. driving as you were doing. No, never that. Not. Never. Okay, no. you're in a no. parking lot. No, no, no. Like I was leaving my home. Okay, I thought I just saw you on your phone watching it or something. Driving down. Driving down the road. Oh my god, Laura Lenny. She's so amazing. But she, really I, it's to the point where I'm like, it. poor Wendy, poor, poor Wendy, what's happened to your soul? Exactly, soulless, yeah. but could really portray that that character. Right. It's, you know, it's scary how well that it's scary. But go on her Instagram page; she's on there quoting like Baldwin, wow, Maya Angelou, like all kinds of stuff. You know, stepping out, stepping away from what everybody else is doing and asserting herself as an individual and as a person and not allowing herself to be boxed in by these barriers, that stuff is affecting her ability to perform That's and right. she's carrying it to a higher level. That's right. Mm. That's right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like anybody that wants to ignore the African diaspora and calls themselves an artist is not an artist. Mm. Say it again for the people in the back. Anyone who is divorcing themselves of the African diaspora and calls themselves an artist is not an artist take because they time. are not a part of humanity and anyone that segregates africa from humanity anything anything we are all of everything that's right and people have a really difficult time coming to terms with that because we are our truest selves and that is what makes us powerful but we're no more powerful than anybody else we just stick to who we are as people and people get nervous about that because they're so desperate for us to change and be and like turn them. into them and right. turn and into just them to, just to transition into it, this. Exactly. We don't have to do that. No, we There's don't know what no, I wouldn't ask anybody to do it. I wouldn't ask anybody coming from Asia to do it or Latin America to do it. You know, you know, I wouldn't ask a French person to do it. Right. Yeah. Stop being so French. You should be. Uh, come on. That's ridiculous. And and whenever we travel into these other lands. Sure. It's not possible for us to even be American there. You can't no. go to France and no. speak and walk around speaking English. No. Right? Exactly. You gotta You can't go to Africa no. and walk around speaking English. No. I mean unless you're in it. You understand what I'm unless saying. Unless you're in an English. Exactly. You don't but go even to that's Italy. just because of colonialism. It's just, but too. That's right. Right. You don't go anywhere else in the in the world. Correct. And speak English right. and expect but everybody comes over here and is like, oh, no, I'm saying, you know, you, I'm in Miami. You, you got to speak Spanish. They and look at it. you crazy. Exactly. You're in America. Right. Exactly. But are we really in America? Is America really real? Or is this just the Matrix? You know, we, I think it's living, the Matrix. I think it's the Matrix, too, because we, we live in this false construct. You know, where did the 20 million native indigenous people go whittled down to 2 million? Where are they? They're gone. And we've created this whole other construct. We are near Phipps Plaza. Phipps Plaza is at the corner of Wayuka and Peachtree Street. Wayuka was an Indian tribe. That's where that word comes from. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Those were natives. That was wow. where the Wayuka Native American Indian tribe lived until they were exterminated. Or sent off on the Trail of Tears, and then they build a mall. 
<laughs> Where everybody gets shot up. Where everybody gets shot at. Oh, goodness gracious. I so, mean, Lennox, well, you said Phipps, but Lennox right across Lennox, the street. Lennox, you, you get hurt at Phipps, too. Yeah. Well, Lennox has, I mean, it, it's, it, I think it's, there's a it's, conspiracy. It's open season. I don't know what they do. Because they are like. It is a something. It is a, it is a something, and it is operating outside of our jurisdiction. So how does a filmmaker, a, a somebody or somebody who wants to be a filmmaker, yes. enter this space and use right. the creativeness to actually change the game, to really be, because filmmaking really is, it's telling stories, sure. right? Yes. But the greats tell stories, one, that no one's heard of. Absolutely. Or they tell the same stories in such a way that's so different that evo- it evokes a different type of action and emotion. Exactly. How it- do you do that? Approaching it the way you would approach any type of discipline, like you say you want to be a pastor of a church or you want to be a doctor, you know, you want to do something meaningful with your life. You're going to enter it with humility. You're going to know that you're never going to be bigger than it and that you have to humble yourself. And this is a spiritual journey and you have to learn how to be mentored. You have to learn how to listen and shut up rather than run your mouth all the time. And it's about stripping yourself down to your essential bare elements and allowing things to come into your life to absorb, to take you to a higher level. You know, it's living without illusion and not living in denial and facing up to all of the things about yourself that you don't like, that you want to change, and then shedding yourself of those things that don't really matter anymore, you know? Like, oh, am I pretty enough? Or is my nose perfect? Or my lips? Or I don't know if I like my skin color. Or am I tall enough? All this just, you know, crap. Just be. Yeah, just be. Just be. Just be. And let your creativity just be. And be able to, because if you trust your instincts, you'll never be wrong. And that's the biggest problem that a lot of these uh, young creators have. They don't have an instinct. Mm. Who they are. They are sort of a, a modification of something they've seen or someone else has done. I'm like, who are you? I'm not interested in what you saw or what your favorite trap album is or the latest movie that you've watched. I don't care. Who are you? What are your personal experiences? What happened to you when you were in third grade? What was the most profound moment in your life when you were in high school? Right. You know, who was your best friend? Who was, what was the first time you were ever in love? Like someone asked me once, like what was, something out of your life that you found to be so incredibly exhilarating and you know what it was it's like you're at the high school dance and you're dancing slow dancing with someone and you start making out and you're in high school and the exhilaration of that and the electricity that's there and it is the most heavenly thing in the world for you in that moment right, in that time nothing else is existing nothing and else if you is could existing make, if you could create in that space and how do you create in that space wow. how do you get back to that space right. we're always trying to find those spaces right, another one right, for me right, was right. I remember as a little boy I was out playing in the snow all day and I came in the house and my hands and my toes were so cold and my grandmother brought me over to the fireplace and she rubbed she rubbed my feet until they felt better I'll never forget that for the rest of my mm. life. You know, like real love, pure love. You know, agape love. Completely. We're always trying to find that and seek that. Not this sort of fake, synthetic, surface kind of thing that's transactional. Right. Oh, I love you because I'm getting something out of it. You're paying my rent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that stuff. Right. Someone who really actually moves you. 
remember when you would break up with somebody it would just tear you apart mm. you like your first boyfriend girlfriend whatever and you just couldn't you're just like i can't go on i can't live without them. i know that was so crazy right but it was so real at that particular time and it was real because it's not that you were really um wanting that person back you knew you that, that that feeling, that, that feeling and that sense of yeah. what you were then is gone. Right. It's expired and you have to move on. And, and you find... feel like they are the only person that you, can exactly. give you that. Exactly. And that's not true because that love comes from within, within, you know, and you've got to learn how to be able to love yourself. Right. And that's the and lesson And everything of that. starts from that, right? It, it, exactly. But we are not taught that in society. Just look at Instagram. It's right. all about like what everybody else is doing, what everybody else looks like. Yeah. I mean, with all due respect to the Kardashians, they have like millions and millions and millions of likes and followers, but they don't follow anybody. <laughs> that's the that's the crazy thing. Who's inspiring thing. you? Who's inspiring you? Right. They got like nine people they fo- follow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so they're not well, following anybody. And to your point, you yes. said this so eloquently. It's like. It's your you the, the the art dies when you feel like you've arrived, right? Absolutely. The art die sure. dies when you feel like there's nothing like I am the art. Right. Right. And if I hear you correctly, you're there's an alignment between them not following anyone right. and the loss of the art, right? Completely. Because they're like I've arrived. Right. I don't need to follow anybody. Exactly. We are it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kanye used to run around screaming that he was Andy Warhol. <laughs> yeah. Kanye runs around screaming. He's a lot of things. Stuff. Exactly. <laughs> You know, but everything except Kanye. The only thing I'm interested in is who are you? Mm. I want to know about Kanye. I want to know about what was the love that you had for your mother. I want to know about like who you were as a person before all of this light was shined on you. What was driving you then? Those are the answers to all of his art and culture. Right, right. That's why everybody always says, oh, his early stuff's so great. Yeah, because that was before he turned this weird corner into being an international star. And then everything kind of went sideways. It's like people say all the time, I think the album Off the Wall is better than Thriller. Mm. Yeah, it was, because it was more identifiable with who he was as a person. By the time he started making Thriller, and Thriller just... He's making it for everybody, everybody else. else. And then by the time you get to bad, it's just like, oh, my God, this is for <laughs> This has nothing to do with Michael at all. Definitely for everybody else. Exactly. This is for everybody else. You so, know? so if I hear you saying yes. n- new filmmakers and even filmmakers that are trying to get it right right now, right? Sure. Find out who you are. Absolutely. Stay true to that person. Yes. Don't fall into the line of the trends. No. Don't become the art. Just be the art. Correct. Don't arrive. Always be on the journey. Always be on the journey. Right. There is no arrival. There it's is, always yeah. a journey. It's always a journey till the bitter end. Yeah. My uh, grandmother, who I love dearly, she passed away a couple of years ago, and I and she was, you know, all of her faculties were still there all the way to the bitter she? end. Ninety four. Oh, she had a good good life. life, amazing life. She saw the entire twentieth century basically, Dang, which is a phenomenal achievement. Oh yeah, that's like, just, dope. You know, phenomenal from the you know the institution of cars all the way to. The internet. You know, the internet and, uh, and, and, and social people and talking about going to Mars, you know. That's crazy. That's crazy to, to, to think about. And I remember she was lying there in bed and she was, this was the end. This was coming to, and she was mad. And I asked her what she was mad about. She's like, I'm mad because I'm sick. I'm mad that I'm not healing. I'm mad that I can't get out of this bed. That's how I want to be. I want to always 
be doing and always right. want to get back on That's right. that that journey. Right. You know, one of the greatest moments I ever had with my grandmother was on the south side of Chicago. I got a couple of tickets to the White Sox game. They were down like in it, like super expensive tickets. And I took her because she was the most deserving person in my life to go wow. with me. And we went and we sat there right behind home plate. And she told me what it was like to go to that ballpark and watch the Negro League World Series. Wow. The and that's stories of yeah. our elderly. Like Unbelievable. Like, though, like that. That's the story. Those are the stories that's that the humility. need to be. That's exactly. Like, Stay away from the trends. Talk to people. Listen. That's right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine an incredible story? I, if you think about it, some of the most poignant stories that are told involve this evolution of from young to old. Always. I mean, think about the notebook. Right. Completely. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's everything. That That's the, the, you need all of that to even talk about life. Why doesn't Hollywood have stories about, maybe they do, but they're just not, because there are all these beautiful, poignant stories of white people like yes. that. But why isn't there like a black notebook? Because then that would mean that you were sort of affirming another cultural group when the business paradigm for Hollywood is that, no, we only affirm this one cultural group and every other cultural group orbits around it. White is the sun at the center of the solar system. And all of the other cultures are these planets. Damn. And they orbit based on their level of significance. Goodness gracious alive. I am. Woo. Goodness. Gosh, we need another hour up in here, friends. <laughs> We need another hour. Okay, listen, Jamise from Facebook has one question. Uh -oh. And then we got, I mean, I blew right through the last commercial break. Oh, we you didn't did? even take wow. it. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> but it's my fault. I wanted to because this was just so great. Her question is why is the film industry creating all the things we grew up on? Because they beta test really well, they know what to expect, the numbers look good, they get what they perceive to be a safer return on investment. It's called risk management. Mm. It's like- Why take a chance are, on something why new? Take, well, we right. know this hat works exactly. already. Are you gonna invest in copper in Santiago, Chile, or are you gonna invest in Bitcoin? Which one's safer, copper in Santiago, Chile? You know, you're gonna go, is it gonna easier to try to play the stock market or just leave your money in the bank? I, I, I hear you, and I'm glad you answered that question. I hope that answers your question, Jamise, but I'm stuck on the quote White is the sun. Right. And all of the other planets. Orbit around it. I mean, the other cultures. cultures. Cultures are planets. When you get into Asian, you know, African, wow. African American, Latino, LGBTQ, whatever, we're all these planets with, you know, Pluto is transgendered people. You know, they are, they orbit the farthest from the sun, because that's the dialogue that we're having in society. They, they want to like, don't, we don't want, don't talk about it. Let's eliminate it. Let's make it illegal. No, you can't have a gender change. No, I will not address you as you want to be addressed. I'm going to address you as I think you are. And we've already been through that with the N word, with colored. Right. And Afro-American. Afro-American. American-American. Right. Black. Completely. It took yeah. us a hundred years to get even, to an identifier for us And it's still not. And it's still not. I'm like, still just, not. just settle on black friends. Just, I'll be fine. Okay, y'all just, it's, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. Okay, listen. Can you believe it's been two hours? No. This has been a fantastic 
literally. And I got to make sure I thank all of our sponsors. Coke, Coke United, Doughboy Deacon, Fatigue to Fabulous, Credit Hub, Pristine and Clean TV Installations. Um, okay, just tell people. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm so just enthralled by this quote. Yes. How can people find your work? Congratulations, first Thank of all, you. on your awards, Thank on your you. big gold guy that you're holding in the in the yes. picture. Which is an Emmy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I, I'm thinking that, people. Yeah, I was like, right. you know, it's kind of tells itself but that's amazing it is it's a life changer it is a it's, it's, life changing it, it is it's created a greater pathway to be my best self well i don't think you have any problem doing that <laughs> how can people find your work watch your films tell us what you got coming up next um i got something on amazon prime it is called counter histories rock hill it's about a 1961 counter sit-in in rock hill south carolina That's what it's I'm about, talking about friendship nine nine young black men who decide to stand up to the system at the beginning of the kennedy administration and that is on amazon prime you can find it and watch it anytime you would like you can also go on the PBS app, which is on your Roku or Fire Stick as well, and watch a segment from a television series called If Cities Could Dance. I did the segment on Atlanta, If Cities Could Dance Atlanta. That's the thing that won the Emmy, the Emmy. Yeah. As, as well. I uh, run a company called Tomorrow Pictures. You can find that at tomorrowpictures.com. And then my artist site is my funky name spelling of my name, Frederick, F-R-3-D-E-R-1-C-K.com. And you will find all things me. me. If any of this confuses you, just literally type into the Google search engine, F-R-3-D-E-R-1-C-K. And I am the number one F-R-3-D-E-R-1-C-K yeah, and, on Google. And just FYI, if you type in Frederick Taylor, you will not get him. No. I tried. Yeah, you get. You <laughs> might get. get my dad. You might get I the get. father of modern economics. I'm like scrolling all the way a down. Football like, player. Where is Frederick yeah. Taylor? But if right. you type in with the letters, right. I mean the numbers, and then it goes boom. It comes right up. Right. Which and I think is. How about not commoditizing your name? Exactly. exactly. Oh, did you see what I did? Which there? was already commoditized anyway, because my ancestry is that the first Frederick Taylor uh, was. Friedrich Hilliard Taylor, and he owned... From Germany? Yes, and he owned... Um, I'm of Germanic heritage. Mm. How about that? Mm. Um, and he owned slaves in South Carolina, and that's wow. how we got all this started in the first place. And then they just kept naming each firstborn male Frederick Taylor. That is... And each one is lighter skinned than the other. I'm the darkest Frederick Taylor in the history of our family. Look at you constantly making waves. That's what you Isn't you're it doing. horrible? It's always, terrible. always. My dad looks like Will Smith. Like, He's you know, so. always got to it, be different. It's, it's bizarre, but so, that's the way it is. Listen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes. You were amazing. I had this time together. together. Just to have a laugh Just or sing. Just to have, have a, a laugh and sing, sing a song. Since since we just get started and before we know it, how the time we have to say so long. That's the second person that sang it with me. Elisa Green was the first one. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Over the Top with Michelle Taylor Willis right here on Really 1100 AM. You can find me every Wednesday at 4 p.m. on this station, on iHeart, on Facebook, on Instagram. According to Michelle, we'll be back in the fall on Roku and Amazon Fire. Black is the new green. We'll be back on Radivision.com in the fall as well. For right now, follow me at Michelle Taylor Willis on just about everything. And look for me somewhere. You might see me in a movie or a TV Uh-oh. show. Just look. Just look in the credits. You'll see that name. Right now, though, I am out.
You've been over the top with Michelle Taylor Willis. Tune in every Wednesday at 4 p.m. on The Real 1100. Night, Michelle.